Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Happy Christmas Eve, and welcome to our last episode before Christmas 2018 of Tiz the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the spirit of Christmas alive 365 days a year. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. And I'm Anthony. And I'm excited, guys. I can't believe it's Christmas Eve. I can't believe how fast this year went by in retrospect. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna have to keep this one short tonight, guys. We don't. Uh, we all we have to. to bed early. We gotta get to bed early. Get ready. I, I was about to ask you guys, what are your plans for today before Santa visits? Uh, lots of work for me. <laughs> I have to work today, but this evening I'm excited. It'll be all family time and just enjoying the tree with everything under it still, right? Because then afterwards it gets all empty, and that makes me a little sad. Yeah. So, how about you? How are you? I am in Houston, so we still have gifts waiting under our tree for us when we get back to Tulsa next week. Lucky ducky. And the only real plans we have we're uh, uh, churching, going to a mm-hmm. church down here for liturgy, and uh, having dinner at my sister's house tonight. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Well, so it's snowing here today. Ah, Christmas Eve snow. So jealous. And I hope that forecast upholds. Knock <laughs> <Back> on wood. <laughs> uh, um, this may come as a surprise that, to you, but it is not snowing in Houston today. Well, I'm so Man, sorry. Not in Oklahoma either. I'm so sorry for you. Like in the last 50 years, we've only had like six white Christmases in Oklahoma. Six. I probably had about half my life, at least, of oh. dusting on the ground. But besides enjoying the snow and enjoying the rest of my Harry Potter advent calendar. The who, whoever the last person was to come out. I, uh, I'm going to mass later. And then uh, my mom, there was a big Christmas Eve party at her house. So I'm excited. Oh, yay. It is going to be almost 70 degrees tomorrow. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Blech. Yeah. That's Merry right. Christmas. And rainy. And rainy. All right, so let's jump right into it. Tonight we're discussing the 1983 film, A Christmas Story, a movie that's been around, um, I don't remember a time without it. So for those of you who haven't seen it yet, this is the story of Ralphie, a kid in the 1940s who refuses to listen to any logic or reason and really wants a BB gun because of a false sense of self. (laughs) With unrealistic expectations around a rifle, and that's it's really American, it's a very American story. What other country could have a story, a Christmas movie about a kid who wants a gun for Christmas? And that's really the whole story. That's it, right? I mean, everything that happens around this entire story is about a somewhat, at times, insufferable child who feels entitled to something that he should get for Christmas. <laughs> I'm gonna push back there. Oh, it's my. arguably about more than that. Is it? Is it though? That's what no. the whole story revolves around. The entire story revolves around that. That's the main that thrust. Is. But I'm gonna I'm gonna push back about against uh, the child. Okay, let's go back. In IMDb says in the 1940s, a young boy named Ralphie attempts to convince his parents, teacher, and Santa that a Red Ryder BB gun really is the perfect Christmas gift. Okay, put a pin in the insufferable bit for when we get into our discussion. I said at times insufferable, like every child. <laughs> True. I don't Very remember true. being insufferable. You're still insufferable. Uh, I, I, I totally acknowledge that I am now. I don't remember being insufferable as a child. Oh, we're off to a good start. Guys. I understood the simple concept that when I was told no, it meant no. Especially by the time I was Ralphie's age. How right. old is Ralphie? 
I have real questions about this. I guess we'll talk about that later. Too young for a gun. All right, so let's go through the credits really quickly. Let's start with Ralphie. Ralphie is paid by Peter Billingsley. He was a childhood actor. And aside from A Christmas Story, excuse me, he's been in several other movies since, including... Elf. He was an elf. He was an elf. The only other place I know him from. Man, those eyes did not get any less blue the older he got. No, they really didn't. I noticed that the other night watching Elf. He's also... They, they they stayed bright, bright blue. He's done a lot of production work, but he was in Elf. As far as his acting creds go, he was in Four Christmases as a ticket agent. He was in Iron Man, the movie The Breakup, and a lot of other small parts here and there in some classic shows like The Wonder Years, Punky Brewster, Highway to Heaven. Wait, who was he in Iron Man? He was an executive producer role. I think he got into producing. Oh, he had a he had an acting role too. What? What was he? Nothing big. I mean, oh. it was small. It's like a ticket mask, ticket guy or something. Oh, like that. yeah. He's he was a ticket agent, so he had a small role, um, but did production stuff. He was also a one of the producers, um, a senior field producer for the X Files. So, whoa. Yeah, he's done some cool stuff um, in addition to being Ralphie. Ralphie's mom is played by Melinda Dillon. We've seen her in movies like Lost Encounters, Clo- like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Harry and the Hendersons, the movie Magnolia. Uh, she was in the TV show Picket-, Picket Fences. So she's got quite a bit under her under her belt. I loved her in Harry and the Hendersons. I loved everything about Harry and the Hendersons, the movie so and the TV show. Me yeah, too. I love so the TV good. show. It had the same. It had the same general concept as Alf, which I also love. This idea that this foreign creature comes into the human world and is mm-hmm. trying. To, they're trying to acclimate it, but keep it hidden from everybody. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's not just say Alf either. Like I dream of Genie and Bewitched were similar. It's just they blended in more, but you always still have the nosy neighbors spotting them, right? They did look yeah. much more human. <laughs> um, just a little bit. Uh-huh. Ralphie's dad was played by Darren McGavin who we lost in 2006, but he had quite an illustrious acting career as well. Also has spent some time on uh, X-Files. He was mm-hmm. Arthur Dales and Agent mm-hmm. Arthur Dales. He was on Touched Such by- Such good an- episodes. Sorry. He was on Touched by an Angel, Grace Under Fire, Burke's Law. He was also uh, in Murphy Brown. He was also in Billy Madison. Some Arch- mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies. Um but those are our that's our really big that, that's our big cast so one thing i want to talk about before we jump too too far into this is um the entire concept of the way this movie is done i don't know of any movies that were done in this style previously but i know we hit on what was that really bad movie that we watched brady christmas um, all what? american christmas carol no, no, no. The one, the one that was in this style, but wasn't as good. Oh, wow. Um, where, where they wanted to elf their mom. Elfing mom, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. What was that called? I got to look it Bullies up. Bullies Christmas in the Headlights or Bullies in the Headlights or. That's it. Well, that was the book at least. That was right? the book, but it was. Um, the Christmas Project. The Christmas Project. Yeah. So um, while I found this, I find this style to be boring. I don't need the narrator giving me so much insight. But I will say that A Christmas Story did it much, much better than The Christmas Project did. Mm-hmm. I agree. Let's go through histories. I don't remember a time when I hadn't been aware of this movie. But I don't think I actually sat down and watched it in its entirety. Um, I think I had seen the entire movie. But I don't think I had sat down and watched it from beginning to end um, before two or three years ago. Um, but I, when I did, I'm like, I have seen every part of this movie. Probably because it plays ad nauseum especially 24 7 on christmas eve on like tbs or something mm-hmm. um, this was not part of my canon growing up this was not something we watched every year it still is not um it just it, it didn't make the cut for that i know a lot of people disagree and are really into this movie um we have several friends who have been i just am not one of them how about you julia yeah i don't remember a time without it um but i also remember my parents not liking it so I feel like it would come on and we'd see snippets and then we'd turn it off in favor of something else. Um, I probably have not seen it in its entirety until I did for this recording, for this episode. I, I, I couldn't tell you 
when I saw it in its entirety. But like Tom said, I've seen every snippet in various degrees over the years um, because it's unavoidable. But I was glad I gave myself a chance to reassess later in life. But you said Marty likes this movie, right? Who, by the way, happy birthday to him. Yeah, it's, well, it won't be when this airs. Still happy belated birthday. Will that matter? (laughs) (laughs) Um, He loves this movie. His family loves this movie. He grew up watching this movie. And I think that has a lot to do with people's feelings on it. As we found with lots of Christmas movies, right? Nostalgia plays a pretty big part. So yeah, he loves this movie. So I don't remember a time without this, obviously. If you two didn't. Uh (laughs) (laughs) We got it. We got that it was an age joke. (laughs) We were picking it up, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) My Christmas gift to you is going to be not making an age joke, but. It'll be like the worst Christmas gift ever. I want stuff, Anthony. I sent you awesome stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't remember a time without this movie. Uh, It wasn't a thing in my household growing up. It just wasn't. And to this day, my parents, I don't even know if my parents have seen it in full but um i've definitely seen bits and pieces just via the 24 or 48 hour marathon however long that is nowadays um at people's houses it's just i find a lot of times people have it on tv in the background just as background you know scenery or whatever so but even though i didn't see it for a long time i uh I still wear the more iconic moments of this film and love it or hate it. It's not an iconic Christmas movie, right? And there's some iconic things from it. You know, I knew the whole, you gotta shoot your eye out kid and uh, the leg lamp and the part where they stick the tongue to the pole. I knew all of that. The double, the triple dog Daria. And I'm looking at your, at your leg lamp right now. Yeah. So the <laughs> leg lamp I've always loved even before I saw the movie. And uh, Sarah got me one this past birthday. Um, True to Sarah. So, which is actually funny. Quick diversion. My friend, Greg, who has never seen the movie, he was over one night for game night, the first time after the lamp went up. And he was like, oh, cool lamp. I was like, yeah. An hour later, I see him just staring at the lamp. I'm like, what's up? He's like, is this from something? And I was like, yeah, it's from a movie. It's from a Christmas story. And he's like, oh, thank God. I thought it was weird that you were just asking for a random leg lamp for your birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anthony, that's where your troll game failed. You should have said no. Why? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so I saw this movie for the first time in full a few years ago, maybe freshman year of college. So more than a few years ago at this point, but it, didn't really do anything for me at the time. But then, so last year, Fox did a Christmas Story musical, which was terrible. Oh my gosh. I always sit down to watch their musicals, even though every single one of them has been terrible. I just can't help myself because I'm impressed by the live production value of it, even if the show itself is terrible. Matthew Broderick didn't do it for you? No, but what did it for me with the musical was... (laughs) they made it look a lot more Christmassy than the film did. And I think that made me appreciate the story more just because it did the atmosphere a lot better than this original film did. So when I sat down to watch the film again afterwards, I had a lot more appreciation for it. So I blame that crappy musical for that. And uh, I don't know who saw this movie and thought, you know what, guys, this should be a musical because there's nothing about this movie that screams musical to me. And I'm going to push back on the Christmassy look a little bit. I, I meant like, compared to this film. I know I'm saying, but for the film, this film, remember it's the '40s, so we're at a we've got a totally different generation. Um, I felt like the musical itself went over the top. Okay, yeah, I it, can it, totally see that. But it lost it lost the uh, uh, you know the newly post post depression mindset that people have the the script the post depression war type mindset. No, I totally yeah. get that, but um. I don't know. It just made me appreciate the story, if you want to call it that, a little bit more. And like, so, so, again, after watching it, again, after the musical, I actually did find newfound appreciation for it that I don't think would have been there as a kid, ironically enough, if I would seen it as a kid. I feel like people, I don't know, for me, I can see myself appreciating this more the older I get rather than when I was younger. And I'll talk about that more when I... We're talk get into the film, but 
yeah, that's my history. So I will say about this film, I don't know of a Christmas movie that um, I have found more divisive in real life than this one. The Grinch? I don't know many. I, I haven't encountered many people who love The Grinch. Oh, you mean in real life, not just like what you see on the internet, do you mean? Like people I talk to, people who love this movie have like the deepest appreciation and love for this movie. Um, that comes out in all the comments we see from Redditors. I think we only got one It's Okay comment, and that was from Disco54, who watched it for the first time uh, a few days ago, a few days before we were recording this. But everyone else, I guess, has seen it a lot for a long time or saw it a long time ago, and people... We got a lot of comments from people who love it and a lot from people who loathe it. So mm-hmm. I think maybe the idea and the way it was filmed, um, this, you know, intentionally retrospective look at a bygone Christmas may have done better for me if it were later, if it were filmed later. So, you know, um, I look back at like, if it hadn't been, well, if it hadn't been filmed in the 83, I think that had a lot to do with it. It was definitely trying something new. But as I compare it to other things that I've done, this this retrospective uh, look back, like um, like that '70s show, which again, it's it's different, but it's the same concept. It's trying to look back at what life was like then. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it was funnier. I feel like the comedy that this, the things that this movie could have done to be funny, um, fell short for me. A lot of the time, the the the, the comedy was yeah, it just wasn't there. So, so is it the is it the looking back stuff that didn't really work for you? Or was it the vignette style of a lot of the stuff in this film that you didn't appreciate? I didn't appreciate the vignette. I didn't like the, the narrator aspect of it at all. I didn't really like Ralphie. I don't like Ralphie either. Yeah. I don't know. Ralphie really was a, was, is problematic for me in this. How come? I, you both said you don't like Ralphie. So I'm curious as to why. So I, going into watching this, I loathed this movie. I really hate it. I really hate this movie. I was really hopeful watching it would maybe stir something up as an adult that was different. I still really don't like this movie. I I found parts in it that made me chuckle a little bit. I still really don't like this movie. And I'm quite certain the reason why I don't like this movie is I don't like a single character, like none of them. Uh, I don't connect with any of them. I don't feel for any of them. I, I can't sympathize or empathize with any of them and like i don't like any of them and See, that's where i feel the movie's strongest in my opinion and uh, i'm sorry i just want to get that in before you move to no go. that's I, fine i mean that's where it perplexes yeah. me that i would see a movie and not because it, that happens very rarely with me and it's so funny to me that people love this movie like they do when i'm so i have such an aversion to every character <laughs> in the movie i i get it 100 julia i'm in the same boat i find Ralphie terrible. I find his mother just insufferable, obnoxious Weak. beyond belief. Yeah, the, annoying. The dad is just out there and not a good. I dad. love the dad. He is He's my so ungrateful. In this so film. see, and there are characters like him that in other movies, and of course, I can't think of a single one um, that I really like. So what is it about this guy that I can't stand? I can't put my finger on it. It's like he doesn't have enough soft. The only soft moment he has is when. He smiles giving Ralphie the gun at the end. And you can see him connecting to when he was a boy and had that same experience. That was a brief moment I really enjoyed. But I couldn't get past all the other parts with him in it. That he's just really unlikable. I agree. And he's not funny to me. Like, you know, the the kind of like hard, distant dad that Red pulls off. Again, going back, for some reason, this makes me think of that 70s show. Um, I hate that show, by the way. That's funny. <laughs> um, but Red pulls it off and is really funny as that kind of dad. You know, this guy just doesn't. I, my problem is all of the characters lack depth. It's like a serious, serious lack of depth, including our protagonist that we're following along. And we have the retrospective view of him. We have him, um, him reflecting back on that time. I don't know. It's just. Yeah. Can't push back. I think the characters are the strongest part of this movie over the writing and everything. I love all four of them for the family, especially the dad. I can see why Ralphie might be a little insufferable. I chalk that up to kids. 
being kids because I found Kevin McAllister a bit unsufferable. I found the kid in Krampus a little unsufferable. I've found a lot of the kids we've covered in these films insufferable. It doesn't mean I don't like them. It's just I found it. Uh, kids can be insufferable. I know I was insufferable as a kid at times. Most people are, right? Right. So I get that. And I understand like that mindset, all you want, that one gift you want for Christmas and you want it more than anything, especially when you're young. Although I totally get what you guys are saying at the beginning. He might seem a little old for that. So I can see that maybe. They're reading Silas Marner in their class. Right. Like how freaking old are these kids? That was like high school text for my brother. And he's reading, he's like seven. <laughs> Holy crap. And they're writing in cursive. And that's probably not abnormal. We just don't do that anymore. But like, they, oh my I, gosh. They Sorry. don't teach cursive anymore, do they? No, they don't teach cursive anymore. So dumb. That is dumb. Cursive is dumb, I agree. No, it's a rite of passage. Like my my penmanship straight across the board is just terrible. And it was such a horrible experience being forced to learn cursive and practice and get told all the time, your handwriting's awful. But you know what? It was a rite of passage and kids should still go through it. It made me stronger. It's who I am. It made me who I am today. Dang now it. Now you write terribly in two different forms. <laughs> no, now I never write. I always use a computer. <laughs> Although I am taking up to writing more. I got a nice new, uh, from my work, I did a organized the secret Santa work. And I got a, an awesome, beautiful new fountain pen. Ooh. I love fountain pens. That's the only type of pen I handwrite in. They're so fun. I got a Lammy. Very cool. I don't know what that is. All, all star. It's a metal fountain pen. The nib is beautiful. The ink is nice. Nice. So I think we're at an impasse here on how we feel about the characters. We're at that same thing we said at the beginning. This movie is extremely divisive. Mm-hmm. You love aspects of it or you hate aspects of it. And we have mm-hmm. both extremes here. Julia and I do not like the, the characters. Aside from Ralphie, the dad is my least favorite. Um, and so can I tell you something I love about the dad? Favorite. Yeah, I please do. So I don't, I don't want to say he reminds me of my dad because my dad wasn't cold or callous or anything like that, which I totally get that he comes across this way in this movie. But what I liked in this movie, besides that end scene where he's smiling and they have that connection that you were talking about before, Julia, when Ralphie opens his gift and Mm -hmm. dad looks like he's taking it back to childhood for a moment. That scene, mainly because of that guy's facial acting, gives me all the feels. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen parents watch their kids opening gifts that they really want and seen similar expressions. Mm -hmm. So I felt that was really, that whole scene was really well done and gave me the feels. Mm -hmm. But the only person Ralphie never asks for this gun in this movie is his dad. He tries to multiple times. And yet the dad was still listening the whole time, still knew, still got him the gun. And my dad was always very like that. Mom was always on with Christmas, wanting the list from us, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not that dad wasn't paying attention. It's just never as big in the holidays. So it kind of came across, not came across that he wasn't paying attention, but you don't think he's listening. And my dad was always the one who would get us. It was always an extra gift that mom didn't know was under the tree either. Always mm-hmm. growing up. And it was Mom always really dad. didn't know, or was that a well? No, she would always say, like even even still to this day, Dad always has a gift under there, usually, like that Mom had no idea about. And then she's like, "Why do you spend so much money on that?" What? <laughs> 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 but Dad, I just so that maybe that plays some part in it that my dad I could see my dad doing that because my dad did do things like that. He always had the gift. He always came through with the gift every mm-hmm. year every christmas and if it wasn't the gift it was a surprise gift you didn't even know you wanted but was so, so so perfect so i really liked that in this film it was his dad his old man who came through in the end and got him the one gift he wanted more than anything and that he says in the narration which i'll agree with you i could have done without the narration over all tom but what he says in the narration was the best gift he's have, he had ever received so despite I appreciate despite that. what happens. Despite what happens, yes. An icicle falling on his glasses. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good story. You know, we had an experience somewhat similar to this tonight. My mother-in-law, we went to my in-laws. My mo- and this is just reminding me of the story. So it, it does have a point here, I promise. I'm not going off on a weird random tangent. <laughs> Ellie found an ornament she liked at my mother-in-law's that was glass. It was a dog. She insisted she wanted it. Christine said no. I said no. Christine's dad said no. 
My mother-in-law gave it to Ellie anyway. She brought it home, immediately broke it, and had a huge meltdown. And so um, sometimes no is there for a reason. Can I tell my story real quick since you told that? Because I had a story written to it. So the other night or the weekend, we had a, I know Tom hates the term because there's no such thing as an ugly Christmas sweater, but we had an ugly Christmas (laughs) sweater party to attend. And the people whose house it was at, they are one of these couples. They're people who are obsessed with this film. So they had it on in the background. Anyway, a game of Yankee Swap. I got a disc shooter. You know, the little guns that shoot discs. Now, I'm there talking to somebody. Sarah's across the room and I don't see her. And she calls my name and I turn as she shoots the disc. And it literally hits me right in the eye. You shot your eye out? As this movie, oh well, that's of course that's the joke everyone made because the movie's on TV. It hit me so hard in the eye; I was it hurt for ages. Oh, and of course, there was the whole "you're gonna shoot your eye out." Anyway, oh my gosh. Story. Okay, so I just I'm gonna show a little ignorance here. I just had to look up what Yankee Swap was because we do not call it that. Yeah, we call it white elephant or white elephant. Uh, yep. We've had this discussion multiple times on the podcast too, guys. About yeah, Yankee Swap. We have. Okay, I don't remember about yeah, what we call different it. names of it. Yeah. Don't um, worry, Tom. I'll always remind you. Okay. Uh, I used to have your your memory, Anthony. Just wait till you have children. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what our podcast is going to be like? We may review the same movie four times when Anthony has. We <laughs> <laughs> may review Pete's Christmas again. <laughs> I hope so. I want I want Anthony to watch that again. He wouldn't I, watch it again. He'd just go off memory. I plugged it on another uh, podcast this week. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway you said you got what i was saying but you were going to push back a little bit where was that dad the rest of the film like maybe i think that's part of my problem is my view of my child and just i i disliked him even more now that i have a kid i'm like how could you just be so flippantly uninvolved with your child it's just i understand it's a different time but i still don't i just don't get it well that's what i was gonna say it was a different time where the dads generally were out of the house a lot more and generally left the child rearing to their wives a lot more than nowadays so i i could totally get why you don't get it yes it is a foreign concept in today's world right but mm-hmm. that well, was the time for, de- for decent human beings that was the time period they were going for right 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 marty reminds me of that when i talk about how i don't like anybody in the movie and especially the dad and he's like well that doesn't seem far off for me from a dad coming out of the depression you know at that time he's like i that doesn't seem like a stretch that a dad would be like that and i'm like absolutely i just don't want to watch him (laughs) i don't want a movie about him you know what i mean i want i want jimmy stewart's fallen on hard times dad even though i don't want this one I do kind of, pardon me, kind of feels bad for the dad in this film too, that this man clearly has such low self-esteem. He needs a tacky major award leg lamp to validate his intelligence. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with that, that, you know, my work is my life mentality that existed. Mm -hmm. I get Um, excited when I win stuff. I mean, I don't win, I haven't won many things, but... The few times I've won something, I've gotten very excited about it. But um, So even though this movie wasn't a big part of my childhood, that fragile line, <laughs> that was used a lot in my household growing up. Mm-hmm. The, uh, Probably like fragile Must be Italian. Yeah, no, exactly. So yeah. The version of that, that that survives a lot in our house is Escape. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Finding Nemo? Oh, yeah. yeah. Escape. So we've discussed the characters and um, again, I think we're at an impasse. What do we think of favorite scenes or quotes? Well, before we get to that, can we talk about the different vignettes first in general? Sure. They were pretty obnoxious. You had the gun, you had the leg lamp, you had the school stuff with the pole and the bully and... When I think of vignette, the place I immediately went when you said that was Ralphie as the hero. Ah, uh, that's the stuff I could have done without in this film. With the yeah, schmaltzy know, acting and somehow a BB gun thwarting robbers. Okay, but again, a childhood fantasy. 
used to go around with Nerf guns and lasers and toy guns pretending you're playing cops and robbers or alien invaders or whatever kids play, right? See, if they had done it that way, though, that would have been fine. But the whole, like, his mom and dad fawning over him as a hero, like, being their only savior, I don't know. That was just... You're right. We did go around playing cops and robbers and, you know, we would have had something like, you know, pretending there was a gun and, you know, I don't know that just that dream sequence was just obnoxious to me. I'm not disagreeing with you. I could have done without it, but I'm going to push back. Like, I think a lot of, again, kids at that age are obnoxious. I think that it didn't work entirely for me and I can't put my finger on why, but I have to say of everything in the movie, what felt most fresh and unique is the stuff where he's fantasizing i didn't hate it it didn't seem off base for a kid that age a boy that age that's fantasizing about having a gun and that's the stuff that i got tired of it real fast it it felt longer than it should have been but like the teacher the -the over-the-top teacher reading his paper and giving him an a and and all of that stuff felt like a kid like what a kid would think if he was like that kind of a kid at that time. Uh, it, so that that part really didn't bother me. I have to say of everything, I probably liked that stuff the most, even though it felt long. Um, and then this guy, this kid idolized, uh, is it the Red Ranger? Red Rider. Red Rider, yeah. Red Rider. He idolized the Red Rider. So that's straight out of one of those radio shows, that schmaltzy with the girls in the back and the voice and all of that stuff. So that didn't feel totally off base. And, and the whole movie, as seen through the lens of the kids' kids' eyes, didn't seem too off base either. But I just, for me, it's just the characters that kill it, just entirely. The one I feel char- like if the characters were a little bit better, I would have enjoyed that stuff more. The one character I pitied throughout the whole film was Randy, the little brother. Oh, so the little brother? Yes. I didn't like him either. That I just piggy felt bad part. For him. That piggy part is so weird, and I had the same <laughs> look on my face watching it as his okay. father. I'll give you that. Yeah. That was super weird. <laughs> I, I did laugh. I still laugh every time I see him in that, that uh, snowsuit falling down, looking like a little turtle on his back. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I sat down to watch this the other day, this is Sarah's first time ever seeing it. She found it amusing. She didn't love it. She didn't hate it, but she she laughed a lot. And the snowsuit really got her because you, you look <laughs> at the pictures of her and her friends and her brothers up in Canada. They all looked like that. Could have moved their arms. Moved their legs. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> what would I, she have done if somebody triple dog dared her? to stick her tongue to a light pole. She said she was always, they all, her parents always stressed, don't put your tongue on light poles. <laughs> My sister, not a night, not a light pole because ours didn't get that cold, but she got a popsicle from the ice cream man and she yeah. licked it and it was so cold, her tongue got stuck and she had to go inside and she was crying and all upset, kept pulling on it and they had to get hot water and melt it off of her tongue. Oh <laughs> all I could think the entire time was, man, she finally got what she deserved. <laughs> i wonder if she was always reminded if she was always told about that because of this movie though i feel like that's one area um that's one area that we can relate to right in society mm-hmm. like everybody knows you don't lick a, a metal pole during the winter and i think it's because of this film yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure so i think my favorite vignette was the leg lamp obviously i own it <sighs> But, and I think that has a lot to do because I like the dad a lot. So I I found it funny that he was so proud of this thing and his wife was so mortified to display this lamp in the window that caused this little (laughs) war between the two of them. And I found that couples argue over stupid things, right? Like in house decor, right? And I just found that was an exaggerated version of that and a relatable thing. I think it's so funny that one of the iconic things from this film that has spawned ornaments and t-shirts and mugs and everything and replicas is a leg lamp. Yeah. It's really something. It is really something. It's electric (laughs) sex glowing in the window. (laughs) Oh my gosh. There are some quotes in this movie that are really delightful. Oh yeah. There are a ton of them, but the leg lamp, when they open it, 
the way the mother keeps trying to put herself between the boys and the lamb, because Ralphie especially <laughs> can't away from it. I found that really funny. I'd forgotten the curvature of the buttocks was included in the lamp. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't realize it went up that high. And I was like, oh, Lord, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> right there. <laughs> no, Anthony, no. I think it's just so bad on so many levels. <laughs> Oh. oh boy so i think it's important to note too that these are based on short stories right which is why a lot of these vignettes don't gel together they're based on essays about from uh, gene shepherd's personal life and he did the narration mm-hmm. and um i read i actually read them and they don't all take place at christmas actually oh, really so they just put so, them all they wrapped them all up into this little the, the Red Rider BB gun one was the only one that took place at Christmas. And uh, I, I think the lamp actually took place around Easter. So I will say as well, hashtag not my Santa. Oh, gosh. My I think Santa. the Santa. I loved him. <laughs> I think the Santa character. in this movie, like, killed Santa for me years <laughs> afterwards. This Santa is horrific. That whole part is just like a bad fever dream. Oh, it yeah, is. Man so bad oh, i hate this santa it's funny because we talk in this podcast a lot about how we disagree with critics a lot of the time right so we always take what critics say with a grain of salt mm-hmm. um so roger ebert wrote in his initial review of this film but he said without irony in his original review that this is one of the best santas on film no you say without irony absolutely without irony <laughs> I mean, maybe he was wrong with him. (laughs) Maybe he was looking at it from the perspective of like, you know, I don't know what perspective he was looking at it, but like, you know, some poor minimum wage guy just wanted to get out of there at night and just rushing these kids and being a, a, I don't know. Yeah, because that embodies Santa for me. (laughs) Nope, nope. Struck out on that one. You have a, you have a sixth sense of the world if this is your Santa. Mm -hmm. So the question is, Santa slay Santa or this Santa? Uh, Santa slay Santa. I agree. 100%. This Santa did nothing clever with the turkey leg. Yeah, not at all. Or a menorah. So. Nor did he have cheesy one-liners either. No. I'm going to spread a little Yuletide fear. fear. Although that's exactly what he was doing. Also, this Santa in no way looked like a curling player to me. No. <laughs> no yeah, this definitely. Santa could not have taken an angel in a curling match. That's for sure. God, that oh, well. In all fairness, in all fairness, neither could a Santa slay Santa. <laughs> that's how he got. That's how he got trapped being nice. Okay. Ooh, Tom remembered something I did it. <laughs> that movie was so awful. <laughs> I don't know which one I'd rather watch, that or this. Honestly, I feel like that movie. It's funny how that's creeping up the list. Oh my gosh, I really thought that was going to be like. Because that was pretty early on. I thought it was going to be closer to yeah. the bottom. I thought for sure that would probably stay second to the bottom after Kirk Cameron. But lo, did I not anticipate some of the movies that we would be <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Okay, so favorite quotes and scenes. I do have some. I do, too. I'm going to go first. Go for it. All right, so I remember the tongue stuck to the pole thing from in the past. You know, I've seen that scene probably tons of times, but actually focused on it this time. That's a pretty funny little scene, not going to lie. The kids do a pretty good job pacing it as far as acting goes, and it seems pretty believable to me. But I really enjoyed the narration here, Ralphie's background adult narration I liked when he was explaining the different degrees of the dare. So we have a double dog dare. Yeah. And Ralphie as an adult says, now it was serious. A double dog dare. What else was there? But a triple dare you. And then the coup de gras of all dares, the sinister triple dog dare. And then right after that, Schwartz says, I triple dog dare you. And this is what made me laugh. Schwartz created a slight breach of etiquette by skipping the triple dare and going right for the throat. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That was funny. And I, and I feel like that's kind of why I can appreciate that more as an adult than as a kid, just kind of reflecting on the things kids do. Like I get why like you like that you used to do as a kid. I get why, you know, people don't like this film and I get why people do. But I feel like people who do can probably a nostalgic sense of their childhood too, watching it. 
My favorite scene in this whole movie is that moment when Ralphie finally cracks the code mm-hmm. and it's a commercial or like a plug and Ralphie says, um, be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Ovaltine? Crummy commercial? Son of a... <laughs> <laughs> Did you did, did you guys have anything like that where you have like the decoder or something and you spend all this time and it was always inevitably something really stupid? No, I always yep. wanted a decoder ring, but I never got one. Well, that's sad. I know, right? I always thought they looked super cool. Now I just know I would have been disappointed, ultimately. So that's not the one gift that Tim Allen's Santa Claus would drop down from his sleigh as he's flying away, like the weenie whistle? No, but what I would that? take a weenie whistle. Would you? Actually, that's a good question. What would that be for you guys? Like the one gift from either you had or never got from childhood that he would drop down to you from his sleigh. It would be Shira's Double Trouble figurine from the 80s. I could never find Double Trouble. She was my favorite Shira villain, and I never got her. But I had all the other ones. I really wanted Double Trouble. I loved She-Ra and He-Man so much. I had a cat named mm-hmm. it She-Ra. I found it, brought it home, got to keep it. Um, it was She-Ra for a couple of days, and my family was like, mm, we may want to go with He-Man instead. <laughs> 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 me, you know, being a, a little kid, I didn't know why. I'm like, okay, fine, He-Man. He-Man works. <laughs> there goes Anthony's clock. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, how about you? What would yours become? My favorite toy? Yeah, what would um, yours what would Scott Calvin drop out of the slide? Well, for you? see, my favorite thing as a kid was this bike I got for Christmas one year. It was blue and yellow. It had the padding across the front. You remember those that would have the padding on the handlebars? Yes. And it was a tricycle and it's the one I learned to ride. I would love an adult version of that. Mm-hmm. They make adult tricycles and they look amazing. Do they? Yeah. They even have these super awesome ones that they make in, I want to say Michigan or something that have a bucket type seat built on the back of it where you can put kids with seat belts and all sorts of stuff. They look awesome. That is so cool. That is awesome. I want a tricycle. You remember big wheels? I do remember big wheels. Tom? Oh man, I raced me some big wheels until you like wore the plastic down to where it was flat. In and certain it, parts. It would and, skid. Yeah, it would. Oh, man, I love big wheels. Do you have big wheels, Anthony? I feel like that was after you. Before me or after me? Before you. Sorry. It was <laughs> before you. Yeah, I don't remember them if we did have them. What would Scott Calvin drop out of the sleigh for you? That is an excellent question, and I have no idea. <laughs> You're the one that asked the question. <laughs> I know. And then I realized when you were answering it, crap, I'm going to have to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Santa um, will bring tonight the stuff that we're talking about now. Maybe I'll have a double trouble in my stocking in the morning. I would freak out. I would freak out. Would you? I would. What? I would be so excited that I finally got a double trouble. No idea. Not even like that Play-Doh hair salon where you could put the Play-Doh in his face and you squeeze the lever and his hair came out of those little holes on his head. I had one of those. I loved it. I remember so much. Those were so funny awesome no you know you know what i'm gonna probably be in a similar vein to you julia you know how you have like every figure for a certain thing and you're just missing like one or two mm-hmm. so when i was young batman the animated series was big and i had like just about every batman i had robin i had batgirl i was missing some of the villains though so he'd probably bring me i've seen the villains are the best i know I had the big ones, but like I would have liked some of the more obscure ones, like Scarecrow or somebody. Oh yeah, yeah. Did they have Scarecrow? Best Tom? No. Oh, see, I love the villain action heroes. Not me. Action figures. The Joker was dolls. Oh, you know one thing I think we didn't mention in this: the abject racism of this film. (laughs) Oh, the restaurant scene. Yeah, are we gonna let that go? Which (laughs) is the one part of this movie my dad I think actually likes. I remember when that would come on, he would crack up, but the rest of the movie, he'd be like, I could do without that. I'm like, huh, ah, good to know. I mean, that was horribly, horribly racist. I think it was a Chinese restaurant, right? Yeah, Chop Suey. It, it and was. The way they were pronouncing it, like, linguistically, it's the Japanese that have no differentiation between L's and R's. So that made it even worse. So I'm not, it's totally, I, it does not hold the test of time or anything. 
<laughs> but I'm not, and I'm not going to defend it. But if you look at the year they're going for, I don't know. But still, like even then, different. Like the rest, of, the restaurant wouldn't be like that. But maybe the perception of the people going there, they'd be like their brains would make them view it a certain way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing. Actually, I'll give credit to the musical for. <laughs> because at the end, when they go to the restaurant, they have the most beautiful singing voices, and it's not racist at all. And they make a joke about it. The dad's like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And the Chinese owner's like, well, what were you expecting? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can appreciate that. So one of the things I liked in this film was when Ralphie was helping his old man change the tire. And he accidentally sent all the bolts and screws flying through the air. And he says, oh, fudge. (laughs) Except I didn't say fudge. And he just saw the look of horror on his father's face. Because I remember the first time I accidentally let that word slip. (laughs) Really? Not, Not good. And then I love just how mortified... Like, the dad was upset, but I loved how mortified the mother was. And he threw his poor friend under the bus. <laughs> Pretty rotten. But I like that. Standard I like Ralphie. The, the, the fudge stuff, I like that. I just love the fudge stuff. I feel it like that, that shows up in other Christmas stuff down the line. We covered it in Supernatural. Mm-hmm. The uh, soap in the mouth was funny because my mom used to do that with us. If we talked back, we'd have to lick a bar of soap. But like if we wouldn't lick the bar of soap, like and it was really bad. And if you refused, she would rake it across your teeth, which I think my brother got that. I never got the raking no. it across the teeth. Yeah. Yep. So that was funny to me, the part when he's kind of dissecting the different types of soap and how they taste. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> My neighbor used squeeze soap on her kids. Like soap. I think I I think I one time got something spicy and I ended up liking it a lot, so it didn't work out as a punishment. Oh. <laughs> the hot sauce or whatever people yep. used to use. Yep. Yeah. Italian mothers just take out the wooden spoon. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I got no soap. <laughs> Although once the spoon broke because it was so old, and I just it wasn't how hard it was. It was an old spoon, and I turned so it hit like a hard part of me rather, yeah. and it broke, and it just pissed her off more because <laughs> oh it was gosh. her big. It was her sauce spoon, you know. <laughs> oh man, childhood. So I already said earlier that I like everything with the lamp. Yep. But um, like everything from the fragile bit to the electric sex in the window bit, (laughs) to how mortified his wife is, to her accidentally breaking it. But I love the argument they have. Get me some glue. We're out of glue. You've used the last of the glue on purpose. It's just one of those irrational arguments. And, uh, and that, when, we were wa- when I was watching with Sarah the other day, she looked at me and she said, that's exactly what you would say if I accidentally knocked that thing down and we had nothing in the house to fix it with. Oh, boy. She needs to knock that lamp over and see if it actually happens. I love when she calls it a monstrosity and he's like, you were always jealous of it. And she was like, jealous of a lamp? (laughs) So I loved all of that. That part was funny. (laughs) And then Taps, uh, him imagining Taps playing when he threw it out. (laughs) Yeah. Buried it in the backyard. (laughs) That guy's got issues, seriously. Oh man, how disappointed would you be if your turkey dinner on Christmas morning... Oh, that really upset me. <laughs> Especially how much he he was looking, they were all looking forward to the turkey. And it, so I hated how, even though I'm sure it's absolutely accurate. I mean, even in my own life, it feels accurate at times, even though M- Marty is like awesome and supportive and helpful and all that stuff. When she keeps trying to take a bite and Ralphie makes that comment that she hadn't had a warm meal in years because she was always getting up and down to serve the other people was like, oh, man, what scum to make her do that. Let the woman eat. So that made me feel more for when that happened to the turkey because she was taking all the time and she was proud of it. And I hated that part. <laughs> I mean, I get why it was in there, but 
part was terrible. Those random dogs. The Bumpus Hounds? They were literally yeah. only there because there's a whole story dedicated to those dogs in his Oh, really? Essays. Yeah. Are they tormenting the dad in the story, too? They are tormenting the dad. Okay. All right. I, they seem kind of <laughs> off the wall, honestly. So that makes more sense. I thought their Christmas tree was hideous. But again, if you look at the time coming out of the depression, I feel like tinsel in general was a lot bigger back then too. Like I'm just looking at old pictures. For sure. right? Yeah. Ethan so made 100%. a comment. Yeah. Ethan made a comment. What's on that tree? And I'm like, that's tinsel. <laughs> and he's like, that's tinsel. And I'm like, yeah. It's like, wow. About that. <laughs> so I have a question for you guys about this film. Yep. What is it about this film in particular like, I know you guys don't like it, but what is it about this film in particular that you think resonates with so many people that they play it every year for 24, 48 hours? Again, whatever it is. And it clearly doesn't well enough in the ratings that they keep doing it every year. So why is it about this film that resonates so much with people, that people who love it really seem to love it? I don't know. And I don't know. So my question is, does it resonate that well? or It's got to resonate. It just has to. Does it? Yeah, it has to. There's no mm-hmm. way that people are just watching it because their parents watched it because their parents watched it because their parents watched it. At some it, point, this is connecting with groups of viewers. Well, like Marty. Marty's like, that feels like a realistic Christmas experience to me. But does go- he sit down and watch it? He will, yeah. On Christmas Eve, does, he, does he sit down and watch it? No, 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 he doesn't. He doesn't what I mean. I think it's just something it's I think the big selling point for it is it's it's background it's something Christmassy to have on Christmas but I don't know anybody who sits down and watches it on Christmas but well and it's a good movie for snippets too the whole thing is constructed of snippets yeah you know it's not invest time into watching it right I mean you really don't and there are just some movies that are like that you know there's not some overreaching story you know he wants to be begun you know if you've seen it before he gets it in the end it's the hijinks that happen in the middle. So I can see this being like an appetizer of a movie where you can grab the bits and pieces throughout the day. But I thought you were talking more about like why, I don't know, like the people that love it, why do you think they love it? Well, for example, there some entertainment, there have been multiple entertainment magazines that named this the best Christmas movie ever. And I know you guys disagree, but what is it about the people it. who love it who feel that? Like, what is it about? That's what I'm trying to get at. Because I like it. Yeah. I could see myself really like it, but it wouldn't be like an elf to me ever or Santa Claus right. ever. So I'm just trying to figure out, like, I don't know. It's I think at the crux of it, it's people connecting with that feeling as a child, which clearly was not our experiences as a child, Tom and I, with how we remembered Christmas as a kid. But it doesn't do a terrible job of building up the excitement. It's a different, it's a weird tone to it. But you get that Ralphie is excited about Christmas. And, and I can remember things in past Christmases where the one thing I wanted. So I get that whole idea. It doesn't work for me, but I could see it working for other people. And I feel like if you watched it as a kid in an environment where people really enjoyed it, for whatever reason, they liked it then you're going to end up liking it too. Just like Marty and his family, they love this movie. Me and my family, we don't like this movie. And I think it has a lot to do with that because we associate these holiday movies with our holiday experiences as a kid. And it's just a package deal on some of these things. Disco 54 had an interesting theory on Reddit. So he, he sat down and watched it for the first time the other day. And he said, it's not a great film, but it's not bad. It's like a Woody Allen movie in that it's a tissue then plot that's held together with set pieces and shit. That doesn't explain the fierce devotion and love that Americans, and this is an American phenomenon, have for it though, but something else might. The release date is 1983, which means that the first generation of internet users grew up with this film. They grew up with it, loved it, saw it past its fall, shared their love across the internet, and so the legend grew. They started to have children, and their habit got passed down became tradition, and now we're here. An okay film, a tradition by the will of the people. Yeah. That doesn't seem far off at all. No. It's definitely, it is definitely a film, I think, that can only be beloved by Americans, though. I feel like just yeah. a post-depression, wanting a gun for Christmas type, American family of the late 30s, early 40s type thing that can't be 
that other people wouldn't necessarily connect to mm-hmm. around the globe. Yeah. I don't like this being known as an American phenomenon, frankly, but get why it is. <laughs> so in your mind, does it have a Linus moment? Not a true Linus moment to me. Because the dad, who I feel like is most in need of a Linus moment, the experience he has giving that gun to Ralphie as a Christmas present seems more self-serving than not. It does. So that didn't Uh, count for me. Um, I disagree. How does it self-serving? Because I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely not clear. And I totally my not my dislike for this movie is is tainting the my explanation here in just a second. So he gives the gun because he remembers getting one as a kid. And you see him go through the motions because he remembers doing that exact same thing as a kid. And it's less about him wanting Ralphie to be happy is what it felt like to me. And he didn't have enough growth up until that point for it to feel real for me anyway. So it doesn't quite tip the scales. See, I think I see that, but I also see he knew how much Ralphie wanted it and wanted him to be happy. So I think it does. Yeah. It just didn't, it didn't settle well with me. Now I will say, I think this is definitely a Christmas movie. So how did he change that? What changed about him? What actually changed to make it a Linus moment? Well, he he was making his kid happy. That's the spirit. He was... But it's not like there was a moment that he did that. He just decided to do it. But we... This is, goes back to what we were, we were talking about the last time. There doesn't necessarily have to be a change if Linus can still pop up and say, this is what Christmas is about. I just don't... It doesn't do it for me. I didn't dislike the fact that like in the very end when they're eating their Thanksgiving duck, that they're laughing at the situation. I appreciated that. I liked that lightness at the end. Um, Real laughter because they didn't know uh, they were going to come out with a head and cut it off. Yeah, and you could tell she was definitely laughing for real. And I love that in movies when you can tell that it's legit. So I really did enjoy that part. Um, Racism aside. But that's not a Linus moment, but I was happy that it ended on a uptick. Yeah, as far as mood is concerned. Yes. And I didn't say earlier real quick, I did I did like the Christmas parade stuff and the way that downtown looked at Christmas with the lights swagging across the streets. That felt so much like the town I would go to every Christmas in Arkansas to visit my grandma. I really enjoyed that part. That atmosphere part felt right to me, but that was the Christmas most Christmassy part as far as the atmosphere goes for me. Yeah, that looked awesome. I agree. Um, The scene with the duck, you could say where they're laughing and enjoying each other's company, despite the fact that their Christmas dinner got ruined earlier and they had to improvise. It's not about the Grinch taught us. It's not about what you have. It's about who you're sharing it with, right? Mm -hmm. Still doesn't tip the scale for me. No, I know, but for me, I'm saying that's <laughs> why yeah. it does. No, I was very happy it ended on that note. Very happy. Their chop suey was a lot more successful than Scott Calvin's Denny's, that's for sure. <laughs> no hot chocolate. We're out. Pumpkin pie, we're out. <laughs> I love that Scott Calvin. Should we rank this guy? Let's do it. Three. I'm going at 2.5. I'm going with an 8.75. I think you're going to regret that, Anthony. I don't think so. <laughs> that gives it a 4.75, which makes it tie with Office Christmas Party at number 25 on our list. Whew. Whew. Man, it really is an outlier, isn't it? It's one of the few that we have that much different disagreements on. This, that yeah. much of a disagreement on. Well, and especially something that's such an established movie, not some random, you know, hey, we just found this movie. Let's all watch it. Mm. It's interesting. I have, I mean, one of my very good friends, uh, her family all calls her Ralphie um, because of this movie. And she's a delight, by the way. She's awesome. So she's not the way we would perceive a Ralphie, Tom. (laughs) Um, Yeah, her family loves this movie and she does too. And I highly value her opinion when it comes to pop culture. So she introduced The Office to me. So, I mean, she's good people. So I don't know. The question is not going to be answered, but we would love it if you would chime in. If you love this movie, why do you love this movie? I think it has a lot to do with your family and if your family loves it. 
Well, if you just let me pull up Facebook real quick, because some people did chime in. So let's just browse through and see if anyone actually specifically said why they loved it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are crediting the TBS marathon for the reason they love the movie. It's always on in the background during Christmas memories. So nostalgia plays a powerful force. And even though they've only seen it start to finish without commercials a few times, they love it when they do. There you go, Tom. Pop in at any point, watch review scenes, go check up oven, interact with family, come back, and still know what's going on. So it's forced. So it's Pavlov's dog. That's what it is. Yep. It's the movie is on. It's Christmas Eve. It's the association. Yep. I mean, not definitively. I wouldn't be that for everybody, but yeah. I was going to say, I think there's probably a lot of people out there who it's not that for either. Right. It's not that for Marty because he hasn't watched it Christmas Eve since we've been married. God bless him. He's a good husband. He knows I hate this movie. That Revit guy. So the appeal for him is he grew up, he started watching this movie and growing up with it around Ralphie's age. Hmm. And it's relatable in the way it portrays the anticipation leading up to being out of school for Christmas break and the obsession with that one perfect Christmas gift that consumes you. Watching movies like Reliving My Childhood, albeit a loose interpretation. And mm-hmm. he went as far to say, I have nothing negative to say about it. Wow. See, that makes sense to me too. That authentic kid experience of Christmas. We had one listener say, Nick, uh, Nick 610 told us that if we're ever in Cleveland, Ohio, the tour of the house is worth checking out. Hmm. Along with the house across the street that's been turned into a gift shop. The department store of the film is now a casino in downtown Cleveland, and that same block was used in the Avengers movie. Oh, well, that's cool. Yep, it's really cool. So for those of you that didn't get a chance to chime in before recording and after listening to our lively discussion have decided you've got something to say, we have places for you to say that. We're pretty active on social media. You can find us at Twitter, if that's your thing, at TizThePod. If Facebook or Instagram is your thing, you can find us just by searching for Tis the Podcast. Um, we have a pretty good community there. We love talking to people and sharing pictures. Um, if you're super chatty and enjoy the snark of Tom and Anthony and very rarely me, um, you can join us on our subreddit, r slash Tis the Podcast. I say we really, Anthony is a rock star, getting postings up there regularly pre our recording time. So I'm sure you can find a post to chime in on. Convince Tom and I, or do your best <laughs> to convince us that there's merit to holding this in high regard for Christmas. And we'd love to know why. I'd love to know if it's your family. That's my hankering. We also have a Patreon if you want extra bonus content. Patreon users who have donated $3 or more should have received your misspelled Christmas card by now. Um, <laughs> three, three English majors, none of us call, none of us call the misspelling. And that one English major, mainly me, still didn't notice it when a second one <laughs> literally posted it in Slack. <laughs> so uh oh, that was funny. <laughs> we're sorry but if you want your own christmas card next year or christmas in july card maybe even check out patreon we have other stuff you could be qualified for you could um get access to based on the level you decide to contribute we have full-length bonus episodes including what is one of the best shows we have ever recorded on christmas commercials which we um <laughs> just posted last week we also have stickers and lots of extra bonus content so check it out i'm gonna go on a tangent here and i'm gonna propose we do something next year and i want us to put a pin in it and i'm gonna go ahead and say it and forget all about it and anthony will remind us in six months that i said this no you'll say it you'll make a spreadsheet of some sort and then you'll forget about it (laughs) and anthony will remind me you already did the spreadsheet Um, you'll be like can you share that with me (laughs) i think we need to do a tis the podcast christmas in july secret santa swap oh that's a great idea with our with this has come up already multiple times tom but we actually need to do it for real like (laughs) and i'm saying not try to do it around the holiday because if we do it around the holidays it's not going to happen because everybody's busy with 35 million other things and we're spending lots of money that we probably shouldn't be on things that we probably don't need so (laughs) let's spend little bits of money on Stuff we probably don't need in July. <laughs> I think that's a nice way to break up the year. I'm da- totally down for it. Me too. And I will bring it up at the beginning of end of May. So no, no, I will bring it up at the be- end of May. <laughs> I won't hold my breath. You're such a. <laughs> <laughs>
should just maybe we should just put a warning on this one that there's a <laughs> there's mild language issues. <laughs> Christmas Eve edition. Oh, Christmas you know, edition. I don't know if it's all the family time or if it's that we're like, I feel really relaxed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we took we took Christmas down a few pegs in some ways this year in our family, like much less on the gifts, much less on the crazy hubbub, and it's just been a lot more enjoyable. I'm relaxed and I feel kind of goofy. <laughs> <laughs> So tune in for our last show of 2018 next week when we'll be doing kind of an end of the year Christmas wrap up and talking about how our Christmases went and we'll be discussing and going in depth with Christmas music, which would be a lot of fun. And also our favorite Santa moments on film. And the week after we are kicking off 2019 with a good comedy film to help us out of that post-Christmas funk, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I'm so excited. I am I'm too. excited too. I've never seen it. That shocks me that you've never seen it. Right. Me I mean. Steve Martin about. and John Candy. I know. Yeah. How did I miss this one? I don't know. Crazy. Crazy town. Also crazy. I can't believe we're here already, but we have only 24 hours, one day left until christmas santa's visiting tonight that's only 440 minutes away that's only 86,400 seconds oh my gosh oh my god i'm so excited well let us be that fact let us be the first to tell you merry christmas merry christmas merry christmas guys and remember it's not about what's under your tree but around about who's around it oh that was beautiful that very much that very much flies in the face of uh, everything that we just learned from this movie. <laughs> it's literally all about what's under your tree <laughs> or shoved between a bookcase and a wall. <laughs> they realize the lesson at the end. But anyways, guys, have a great Christmas. Bye, guys. There's something stirring, something crackling like firewood. A certain spirit that is lighting up the neighborhood. I think it's time for the timeless time of the year. Time of the year. You bundle up, got a blizzard coming on the way. The family fighting like they do because it's the holidays. And every memory you're holding in your heart is alive once more right here. Feels like you're a kid again, making it. Remember when life was good Just watching the snow fall down Doesn't matter if the years got you feeling down Just remember in December when it's coming around And you'll find the feeling that you always found You can count on Christmas, count on Christmas Coming back home to the old address Something burning in the kitchen with the house a mess And this year is promising nothing less You can count on Gypsy, there's another movie marathon on TV. Which one could it be?